what's up? There are the lights. I'm happy you guys woke up. I'm happy you guys made it to Sunday. The first service, they were a little tired, but I'm hoping for a little more energy this way. Come on. Hey, this is our second week of our Endless Growth series, and last week we had our first week, so if you were here, you actually celebrated our third birthday as a church. Come on. That's exciting. I love the, the message from last week, and I love especially how Jason ended the message because he ended with a time of celebration. We started talking about the lives that we've seen change through the blood of Jesus Christ over the last three years of this church, and we celebrated that people are getting saved. That's awesome. And then what we did next was we celebrate, after we celebrated what has happened, we started celebrating what God is still currently doing, and we shared a video about Pray for One, how people are still inviting their friends to church, people are still getting saved, and we celebrated that people are still getting saved, and God is still moving. Amen. And then we went to my favorite part of the service where we started celebrating what God is going to do. And I think that that's so powerful that we can stand here and we can say, God, I've seen you move. God, I see you moving now, and I see you moving in the future. And I can celebrate ahead of time that God is on the move. And I love that. Can we praise God for a second? Because he's still moving. And Jason put this vision before us, this mission before us of how we're going to reach more and more people with the love of Jesus Christ. And our mission statement here at Wellspring Church is that we exist to ignite a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community. And we don't just want to love this community, but we want to take Jesus to other communities. We want to show people his grace. We want to show people his love. We want to tell them that there is hope. Even though you have sinned, there is hope in the blood of Jesus Christ, and he can do it for you. And we want to tell everybody about that. And what I love about that is that it reminds me of the mission that Christ has given all of his followers. It reminds me of the mission that Christ told the disciples in Matthew 28, where Christ, he comes back from the grave, the tomb is empty, and they're looking for Jesus, and here he is on top of a mountain with his 11 disciples, kicked Judah out of the crew, uh, Judas, <laughs> Judas has been kicked out, and he's with his 11 disciples, and he's like, he's like, hey, like, listen up, this is, I got a mission for you, and this is what he says, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, where am I, therefore, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I love this because Jesus is calling the disciples out. He's giving them a mission, but he's not leaving them on their own. What he's saying is that I have all authority and I'm calling you to a mission, and you're not doing this alone. This is the great co-mission. You're not doing this alone. I'm coming with you. I'm empowering you through the way. Everything that you do will be done through me. And I love that this started with 11 people on top of a mountain, and now 2,000 years later, there's 2.5 billion Christians in the world. Are you kidding me? And I'm wondering, I'm just wondering this morning if 11 people could spread the name of Jesus and it could turn into 2.5 billion, then the other 5 billion people out there, I wonder what a couple hundred people in downtown Towns River could do. Come on, we need to live on mission for the message of Jesus Christ. We need to live on mission for what he has called us to do. We want to bring that other places. There's a whole world out there that doesn't know that there is freedom from their sins, that doesn't know that there is freedom in the name of Jesus Christ, and it is our mission to bring it to them. And when I started thinking about this, I'm like, awesome, like, I want to live on mission. And immediately, I think all of us think for a second, well, like, there's some reasons that I can't, right? And I started thinking for myself, like, okay, what in the past has stopped me? 
What in the past has stopped me from living on mission? What in the past has stopped me from obeying God? And I immediately, the first emotion that you think of is fear. It's, okay, I'm, well, I'm kind of afraid how this person will accept it from me. I'm kind of afraid about how this person will look at me. Is this person going to reject me? They're going to reject what I believe. They're going to reject who I am. They're going to reject everything about me. And we start being fearful that the message that we want to bring is going to turn people against us. And that's the first thought that I thought of, of when I'm not living on mission is because of my fear. And then the second one that came to mind, is I'm, and I'm, this might be for you guys too, is that sometimes I allow my circumstances to get in the way of me bringing the gospel, advancing the gospel, being on mission for Christ. And what I mean by that is sometimes my life's just too busy. Sometimes, like, I've just got so much going on that I can't even sit down for a moment and focus on the fact of what my mission is. Christ has given us one mission is to proclaim the name of Jesus. And if we have that one mission, I, I get so caught up in, in my everyday life, in my tasks, in my struggles, in my circumstances. I get so caught up that I have no time to actually think about the mission that Christ is calling me to. And I wonder how many of us also allow our circumstances to get in the way of our mission, whether it's our fear, whether it's our, our, the stuff going on at home, it's our relationships, our finances, whatever our mind is focused on. I think a lot of the time we spend more time thinking about what's coming at me rather than thinking about what God's called me to do. And for a lot of us, we've allowed the trials in life and the pain that life brings to stop us from advancing the gospel. We've allowed our circumstances to take a greater place in our lives than the mission of what we're called to. And I just want to remind everybody this morning that what Christ said is that, yes, I'm calling you to this, but I have all authority and I'm promising you that I'm going with you. You're not doing this alone. There's a room full of people around you that are also on mission with you, and that's a mission that Christ has called each of us to. So yes, we will go to Brick. Yes, we will buy Cafe Enigma and reach people that way. And guess what? Christ is going with us. We're not doing these things alone. We do these in the name of Jesus with the power of Jesus fulfilling us and bringing us there. I'm excited for this morning for the passage that we're going to be looking at because of the author of it in itself. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote half of a lot of the New Testament. And what I love about Paul is he grew up in a world of religion. He grew up in a world where, where he was so um, close to Jewish customs, Jewish practices. He grew up in this religion. And what happened was he lived his entire life and he realized that he was still far from things. And he started living in a way that wasn't good. And then he encounters Jesus and his life is forever changed. And when he encounters Jesus, his life is changed. And what he wants to do is now he wants to bring that gospel to other people. So he starts to plant churches. And he goes around planting churches. And he plants the church of Ephesus, the church of Philippi, the church of Colossae. And he's and he's planting all these churches, and he's raising up leaders to lead them. And in the midst of advancing the gospel, what happens is he gets imprisoned. And he gets imprisoned for doing something that is good. He gets imprisoned, unfairly imprisoned, for following God's mission and doing what he's called to do. And this letter that we're going to be reading today is from Paul, from that prison. He says in Philippians 1.12, I want you to know, brothers, and when he says brothers, he's saying siblings in Christ, children of God, I want you to know this, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the, the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of my brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold now to speak the word without fear. What has happened to me has served to advance the gospel 
This isn't really the response that any of us would expect. And as I was reading this, I was like, Paul, you're kind of crazy, dude. And especially, this wouldn't be the response that you would expect, especially if you were the prison guard. If you were the king who, like, sent him to prison and he's, like, all happy about it, he's excited about it. And your prison's like, what's up with this guy? And Paul has this attitude about it because he sees how God is still moving in the midst of his circumstance. He's not letting the prison that he's in affect his vision of what God is doing. And he's writing this letter to the people who are praying for him. This is his, this is his boys. This is his baby. Philippi was the first church that he ever planted. This is his favorite group of people. And he's writing this letter to them, and they're praying for him. Like, Paul, like, we're praying for you. We hope that you're safe. We hope that you get out. And Paul's saying, like, hey, 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 it's okay. Like, actually, this is actually really good. And I wonder how many of us in a situation like Paul would be able to say, this is really good. I know for a fact that I've been really mad at God for a lot less than being unfairly imprisoned, right? I know for a fact that I've been taken off mission for a lot less than being put in a prison cell. I know for a fact that I've been taken off this mission, let, let my world block my vision for a lot less than what Paul is going through. And I think a lot of us are in the same boat. I've been mad at God for much less than this. How many of us would be freaking out in this situation? God, it's unfair. How are you letting these circumstances happen to me? God, I'm doing what you call me to. You told me that you'd come with me. And now I end up in a prison cell for doing what you've called me to do. How many of us would be upset with God, angry with God? How many of us would let that affect the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we live our lives? I don't feel like you're with me right now, God. But this isn't Paul's response. You see, because Paul is focused on the vision of what God is doing. He's focused on the mission of what God is doing. And God has given us this mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's not losing sight of what God is doing because he has prison walls around him. And that leads us to our main point this morning, which is that we can't let our prison to affect our vision, right? Come on, we constantly fall into a place where we allow our circumstances to stop us. We constantly allow the world around us to limit us. We let the walls around us, we let these walls build up around us and the situation that we're facing to get in the way of seeing what God is doing. And if Paul can do this from a prison cell, then how much more can we do this from the freedom that we live in? Come on. We sing this song here at Wellspring, and I love it. In the bridge of the song, it says, You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. And I think that that's what we're looking at here, where Paul, like, the devil tried to take him out. He knew he was a traveling missionary. He's going around planting churches, and the devil's saying, oh, like, if I could just keep him in the same place, less people will know about Jesus. And he's saying, and he, what the devil meant for evil, guess what? The entire imperial guard, the prison holders, the people who are keeping him in the box, now know about the love of Jesus. He did not allow what the devil meant for evil to be evil, to take him out of the game. Now that is worked for good. You see, the devil's crafty. He has a plan to take your mission away. He has a plan to take your vision away. He wants to hurt you. He wants to discredit you. He wants to take you out of the game because he doesn't want anybody knowing that there's a savior that, that can save us from our sins. He doesn't want people to know that, so he's crafty. He wants to take you off game. But what Paul is saying is, no, you can't take me off game. You're going to put me in prison. Everybody in here is going to know about Jesus. You're going to take my money away. Then the people at the bank are going to know about Jesus. You're going to let people gossip about me. Well, they're going to know about Jesus by the way that I act back at them. Thanks. <laughs> he knows what your weakness is. 
But when we keep our eyes on the promises of the Lord, there is nothing that can stop the advancement of the gospel. So our first sub-point this morning is that we must maintain the vision through the hardships. Paul is, some, is somebody, he has something that in the basketball world we call Mamba mentality. Check out this video. Tonight, he is literally on his last leg right now. Alternately, it has seemed to be his knee, uh, this, his foot, his ankle, and now his Achilles. Yeah, this time, it's, I don't think he's going to be able to do what he did the last two times where he ran it off and was able to play with the pain. Yeah. I mean, he's not even uh, really going to shoot the free throws. He can barely make it to the free throw line. Bryant tonight with 32 points, five rebounds, four assists, and he is hurting. But the Lakers down by two, and they want him and need him at the free throw line. Got it. Now this next, I mean, after this free throw, I'm going to be very curious to see how he responds, yeah, not backpedaling or whatever he has to do to get to the other end, if, in fact, he gets to the other end before a foul made. Made him. Lakers might foul. They might foul to get him out of the game. That's they what have to. What just happened there, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, a legend. What just happened there was Kobe got fouled going to the rim. He got fouled real hard. And what happened is he actually tears his Achilles. One of the worst injuries that an athlete can go through. And what happens where the video picks up is that he was walking to the bench because it's like, I can't go on. I'm hurt right now. And what happens is he gets to the bench. He says, no, I got a play to finish. Somebody say, finish the play. He says, I've got a play to finish. I've got a game to finish. I've got a mission that I am on, and I'm not letting this injury, I'm not letting what just hurt me get in the way of the mission that I'm on, of what I'm called to do. And I think that a lot of us, when life is going good, when we got 33 points, five boards, and four assists, when we're living life and life's going good, and God is good, my finances are good, my relationship is good, everybody in my life likes me, everyone's being real nice. It's easy to say, glory to God, I'm going to bring more people into the kingdom, right? It's easy to say, oh, look at everything that is going good in my life. You want some of this. It's easy to advance the gospel when life is going good. But what happens is when, when, our, when we get injured, when that person comes back into our life that hurt us, yeah, when that person comes and they hurt us, when life starts to hit the fan, when our finances seem to run out, when those people are still discouraging us, when we get hurt, when we get let down, when bad things happen, instead of finishing the play, instead of being focused on the mission, what we're called to, we decide that we're going to go sit down and we're going to sit this one out because I can't do what I'm called to do. Because I'm allowing the injuries of my life, I'm allowing the circumstances of my life, the trials that I'm facing to take me out of what God has called me to do. God, I'm in a life group. Life is good. I'm on a volunteer, I'm on a volunteer team. I'm praying for one. Everybody's going to know about Jesus. And if you've experienced the highs, you know what happens less. When the injury comes, a lot of us end up taking a seat. And God, you know what? When I get healed, I'll go back in the game. God, when my Achilles comes back together after eight-month recovery, that's when I'll start playing again. That's when I'll get back on mission. When that person apologizes to me, when they get what they deserve, God, what about me? What about when I get what I deserve? Then I'll start playing. Then I'll get back on mission. Then I'll get back in the game. When that person apologizes, when I'm finally healed, when you finally tell me what the plan for my life is, when you finally give me what I deserve, then I'll obey. Then I'll live for you. 
Imagine if Paul had this attitude in this prison cell, sitting unfairly accused, unjustly imprisoned, and he's sitting there. Imagine if he said, God, once I get out of here, I will do what you have called me to do. No. He looks at his prison cell as an opportunity to share the gospel with the people that would not have heard it otherwise. These prison guards are now going to know about the love of Jesus Christ because his circumstance, the walls that are built around him will not stop him from the mission that God has called him to do. Is anybody going to live through the walls around us and not stop at those walls? Paul's passion changes the game. Verse 14, it said, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear now. You see, people saw the mess that he was in. They saw what Paul was struggling with. And now everyone's like, whoa, look at Paul. Like, he's living real boldly. You know what? I'm going to live boldly too. His actions spoke louder than his words. What would happen if we treated every trial as an opportunity to, to persevere? What would happen if everything that hit us in life, we looked at it and said, oh, I'm going to show off my faith here. I'm going to give it to God here. I'm going to push it even more. I'm going to be even more on mission right now because I'm not going to let these circumstances touch me. Imagine if we treated everything as an opportunity to show off that God is on the move. Maintain your vision through the hardships. Verse 15 says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. The most of them do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, but the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me, thinking to hurt me, thinking to bury me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice." Paul's talking about these people who are now proclaiming Jesus. He's on the sideline now. He's been put in prison, and he's doing what he's doing where he's at. But there's a whole world out there that needs to know about Jesus, and he's talking about the people who are now advancing the gospel. And he's looking at them, and he's saying, you know what? For the most part, all of them are doing it for, good, for a good reason. You know, for, for the most part, everyone's talking about Jesus, and this is a good thing. But then there's this other group of people who are talking about Jesus, and they're using the platform for their own selfish ambition. They're using this platform for their own selfish ways. And it, actually what's happening is they're actually now telling me, telling people that I'm getting what I deserve. Paul's saying these people are talking gossip about me. They're talking bad about me. And the fact that I'm kind of in this prison cell, they're taking advantage of that. And now they're spreading rumors about me. And they're saying Paul's getting what he deserves. He's a murderer in the past. He's a loser in the past. He was killing people. He never should have been used by God in the first place. I should have been used by God the whole time. And people are starting to talk bad about Paul. And what is Paul's response? He says, I don't care how people are hearing about Jesus. I don't care if they have to talk bad about me. As long as they're talking good about my Jesus, it doesn't really matter. Because Paul's, not, Paul's now not only in prison physically, but now he's also in prison to people's assumptions around him. He's in prison to people's gossip around him. He's in prison to everything that people are saying about him. And what does he think? People are trying to gossip, they're trying to hate, they're trying to discredit the work that God has done through him. And he says, I don't care how it's getting out, I'm going to rejoice that the son of the living God is being proclaimed. Again, an unlikely, likely response. Paul doesn't care about his reputation. He doesn't care what people are saying about him or that they're using their platform for selfish intent. He knows that people are getting cleansed of their sins by the message of Jesus Christ. And that leads us to our second sub-point, is that we must maintain vision through the noise. 
There's a lot of noise in this world right now. There's a lot of gossip going on. Word travels faster than it ever has before. The hate is spreading. The gossip is spreading. The words are spreading fast. But we need to learn from what Paul is saying. We need to learn from his example. People are trying to hurt Paul. They're trying to take Paul down. They're trying to ruin his reputation, trying to bury his grave a little bit deeper. And they're trying to take him out of his game by distracting him. But Paul's like, okay, take me out. It doesn't matter if you talk bad about me. It doesn't matter what you say about me. I'm not the person that needs to be spread here. I'm not the one who can provide salvation for anybody. Talk about me all you want. He doesn't allow the noise to take away his focus because he has Mamba mentality. Check out the second video. Why is Matt Barnes doing that? that make we love sense. Kobe. Unless he thinks he can entice Kobe Bryant to get thrown out. <laughs> Either that or there's no way he's going to intimidate. And now a two-shot foul because the foul occurred before the ball was inbounded. Tony Brothers now telling Matt Barnes and Kobe Bryant to knock it off. And he fakes the ball. Ah! Somebody in a, in a magic uniform. Uh, that man's tough. That man's focus. Come on. He's not letting the noise of Matt Barnes trying to peg the ball in his face get in the way of his mission. He's focused. He's right here. And when you, there's an interview of Matt Barnes after this game. That's the guy passing the ball. And there's this interview, and it's a couple years later, and they're, like, talking about how amazing of a player Kobe was. And he was like, yeah, you know, like, before the game, coach told me it was my job to take him out of the game. And I was going to do that any way that I could. I was going to discredit him. I was going to distract him. I was going to get in his mind. My job was just to annoy Kobe because Kobe was going to score 60 points if I didn't. Kobe was going to do the most. He was so focused, so on mission that my only job was to distract him. And I think for a lot of us, we've got an enemy that likes to do the same thing for us too because his only job is to distract us. His only job is to take us off mission. And then what the devil wants to do is that he sees you on mission and what he wants to do is he wants to discredit you. What he wants to do is he wants to discourage you. What he wants to do is distract you, to get your head out of the game so that we can't focus on the mission that Christ has given us. He wants to put things in our lives to take us out. But Paul's knows better to fall into this trap. He knows that the rumors against him aren't going to stop the advancement of the gospel. He is unfazed by this pressure. He knows that it's not him who can provide anything, but God who can provide everything. He knows that man can do nothing apart from God. It's not about Paul. It's not about me. It's not about Jason. It's not about you. It's all about God. It's not about the preacher. It's all about the provider, God in heaven, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the provider of our salvation, not Paul. Not only does Jesus provide our salvation, not only does Jesus provide eternal life and forgiveness for our sins, but there's other things he provides too. He provides love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul's saying, take me out. I don't provide anything. I'm just the one who tells you about the one who provides everything. I don't care what you say about me. Talk nice about my Jesus. Talk about me all you want. If Christ is proclaimed to the lost, then I rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. Because Christ is being proclaimed this morning. It's not about me. It's not about anyone in here. It's about Jesus Christ. Can we give God a shout of praise? Come on. Rejoice for what God has done. Rejoice for what God is doing. And rejoice for what God is about to do. Because he is still on the move. And I'm happy you guys are so excited about it because he has called you to do it. 
He has called you to be the hands and feet. He has called you to be on mission with the gospel, with the word that he has provided us of the forgiveness of sins. He has called you to tell the world and make disciples of all nations. But we must maintain vision through the noise because people will talk. People will hate, they will gossip, they will try to discredit you. And when you're already imprisoned in your circumstances, they're going to talk even harder to bury you as hard as they can. They'll attack even harder, and the noise will grow louder. But as the noise grows louder, we will stand stronger in relying on our Jesus because his power travels with us wherever we go. What they don't know is that it is not I who live. The more they try to take me out, the more they will find out it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And you can't take my joy because it's not from me. You can't take my peace because it's not from me. Those things are found in the power of Jesus Christ, and you can't take that away. And if you forgot, if anyone in here forgot, they already tried to take that away 2,000 years ago, and they failed. They tried putting him in the grave, and they failed. There is nothing that you can take away from me because everything that I am is found in him. Yes, I will rejoice, Paul says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, and that with, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul is still rejoicing. He's saying, I've seen how God's moved. Look at all that he's done. And I see what he's doing right now. People are still getting saved, and people are even becoming bolder in their faith. And now, I'm confident, and I'm worshiping because I know that this will turn out for my good in the future. I know that God will deliver me. I've seen him move. I see him moving now, and I'm confident, and I rejoice now because I know what's coming. I know that more people will be brought into the kingdom, and my life will be a living sacrifice. Whether I live or if I die, Christ is proclaimed, and Christ is honored through my body. It does not matter, and I think that this is so important, and this really threw me off the end. It says, Christ be honored in my body, whether by left life or by death. And this like shook me for a second because I was like, life or death? Like Paul's not praying for his own will. Paul is not saying, keep on praying for me that I get out of here. Paul is saying, pray for God's will. Pray for my deliverance. If that looks like these prison walls getting knocked down, then let it be. That's God's will. But if that looks like me dying, Christ will be honored in my body either way. And what I love about this, and this leads us to our last point is that we must maintain vision through our earthly mission. You see, Paul, what Paul's alluding to here is that he doesn't look at life as 60 years, as 80 years, or as long as this earthly body lives. He's not looking at life saying like, oh, I got, I got 80 years to do as much as I can do. This body has an expiration date. This body is not lasting forever. This, what I'm touching, is not lasting forever, yet we're so focused on this 60 or 80 years now. What Paul is saying is that the moment I gave my life to Christ, that started my life eternal. So when I look at my circumstances that I'm in right now, on the grand scheme of eternal life in heaven and glory with God, man, this looks really small right now. This looks really small that for a couple months I'm struggling financially. This looks really small that for a couple months I'm going to be imprisoned and like, God, you may deliver me, but if you don't, whatever, I can't wait to spend eternity with you. Either way, Christ be honored in my body. We need to have the same view as Paul when it comes to life and death. 
life on earth is so short compared to the eternity that we spend with God. And the fact that Jesus says, I go with you, I give you my spirit now, means that we don't have to wait till we're dead to start proclaiming the name of Jesus. We don't have to wait till we're dead to start living in peace, to start living in joy, to start living a life worthy of what God has given to us. We don't have to wait until we die to start living that life. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning because I really believe that there are some of us in the room who have never made a decision to follow Christ. You've been, want, you've been wondering about it. You've been living life and, and life is tough and, you, and you've been trying to rely on yourself and, and life is hard. We face circumstances either way. But all I can tell you is that we can be like Paul too. This same Jesus that was there to support Paul in his worst of cases, the same Jesus that has been there to support me in my worst of situations, he's still alive today and available for you. And I wanna give you an opportunity right now to accept that grace that he's provided for us. So would everyone just lower your heads and close your eyes? And if there's someone in the room that has never made that decision and you wanna make today that day, first of all, we're all pumped up for you because that's really cool. And God is a redeeming God. And I would ask that you would just pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I've fallen short. Dear God, I know that you're perfect and I am not. But God, I am so thankful that you sent your son to suffer the consequence that I deserve so that I could live in the freedom that only you can provide, Lord. You have saved me from my sins and I want to accept that, Lord. And I want to take advantage of the grace that you have provided, God. And I am so thankful for you. And I want to live on mission for you because there are other people that need to know about you. Amen. And if everyone would just keep your eyes shut for a second, keep your heads down still. If there's someone in this room who made that prayer this morning, I want you to look up at me real quick because I just want to talk to you for a second. I just want to talk to you alone for a moment. You see, there are things in your life that you aren't proud of. There are things in your past that you regret. But the Bible says that when you give your life to Christ, when you put your full trust in the Lord, that the sins of your past are now put on the cross of Jesus Christ and that no longer you have to suffer the consequences for what you've done. And when God looks at you, he sees a new creation made in Jesus Christ. He doesn't just see you. He sees what you are now. And he's been waiting for this moment. He's been waiting to cleanse you. He's been waiting to make you his. And today is the moment. And now you can look at yourself and say, I am a child of God and no longer longer will I suffer from the wages of my sin, but I will resemble the love of Jesus Christ. He has forgiven you, and he loves you, and he has chosen you, and we are so grateful that you get to be a part of this kingdom with us. Everyone can lift up your heads. Amen. Hey, this morning, we praise God for what he's done. We praise God for what he's doing, and remember when we praise real loud for what God's going to do? You didn't know it yet, but you were praising God for the fact that a bunch of people just got saved as well. Come on. That's what you were praising God for this morning. When you said in the future, I will praise God for what he's going to do, he just did it. And guess what? He's not stopping here. Because this week our challenge is that we're going to go home and we're going to take the next step in talking to someone about Jesus. Because there are more people to be reached with the kingdom of God. There are more people that need to know the truth of Jesus Christ. That there is freedom in one name and one name only and that is Jesus. And I don't know what that next step looks for you. I worded it that way in, in, on, poor, on purpose. I worded it that way on purpose because for some of us, 
People don't even know that you show up to church on Sunday morning. And maybe that conversation, maybe that next step is just saying, hey, like, I love Jesus, and he saved me from my sins. Maybe that's your first step. Maybe you're at the next step where you need to say, I love Jesus, he saved me from my sins. And listen, he can save you too. You need him. You need him. I want to see you in heaven. I want to spend eternity with you. I don't want you to suffer the consequences from your sins. And if there's some of us who aren't bold enough to say that yet, that's fine. But I need you to take the next step and invite somebody out to church so we can tell them about them. Because there are people that are broken. There are people that are in need of Jesus. And we want to tell the world about him. Amen? Let's be living proof of what God is doing. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.